0: You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected.
1: All right. Well, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Uh, I said Merry Christmas to someone this morning before first service, and they're like, you're the first person that said Merry Christmas. And so if I'm the first there we go. If not, uh, Merry Christmas anyways, and uh, we're glad that you're here. And uh, by the way, if you're a guest with us today, uh, we've been praying for you. We've, you are an answer to prayer. We're glad that you're here, and we want you to know that uh, today we expect that the Holy Spirit uh, is going to speak to you, and uh, He's going to make a difference in your life. And I was thinking it's Christmas season, and uh, for some that are here, we just kind of make it through the season, kind of dragging our heels, and and, uh, and I just want to say it's okay if that's if that's you. There are others, though, that have got Christmas all wrapped up. In fact, I would be curious, how many of you have all your Christmas gifts done and wrapped and under the tree? Come on, any any uh, overachievers here? We've got, got a few, or just just a few. Well, the rest of us, we hate you. <laughs> Just kidding, we don't hate you. But, uh, but uh, congratulations, and uh, whether you love Christmas or not, we're believing that through the series called Christmas Carols, we believe God's going to speak. And this is our, our mini-series, and uh, when we think about Christmas carols, uh, these are sermons that we can sing. And when I thought about singing and singing these Christmas carols, it got me to think what we do on a regular basis in church in regards to singing is very unique let me explain it's unique to believers to christ followers to sing corporately and regularly there's no other religion that does that regularly that sings corporately together and if you're new to us and you're saying oh what is all this singing and uh bear with us and I pray that you'll warm up to the idea but there's a difference between what Christians do on a Sunday morning or when they gather and they sing it's different from the Rotary Club How, how many have ever at the Rotary Club you're not singing right when you gather at the gym with your buddies you're not singing and certainly you're not singing at the HOA meeting only the devil is in that meeting. <laughs> and we're, I'm not saying that we're the only ones that sing, that corporately, I'm just saying regularly. Sometimes we sing corporately for birthdays or at concerts or different things, but Christians regularly sing and there's something to that. Now, with Christmas, we have a unique set of songs to sing and many are deep and full of meaning. And our goal is for you to experience the power of God that the Holy Spirit would be moving in this season through these Christmas carols. Last week we uh, we went through the, the carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, a song written 1,200 years ago. And the author was anonymous, and the theme of that song was Savior and King, Jesus as Savior and King. And we're going to see some similarities this week and next week uh, to that but, and by the way, if you missed last week's message, I want to encourage you to get online. There's ways you can watch that uh, through Facebook and YouTube and different ways you can look it up. But when we were laying out the series, we said, okay, we're going to start with O'Com, O'Com Emmanuel. And then uh, Pastor Sean, uh, he was convinced that we were going to spend the second week talking about Santa Claus is coming to town. And I'm sorry to say, Sean, that's not going to happen. He was outvoted, and we landed on the idea of talking about the most popular Christmas carol of our time, arguably, and that is Joy. To the world, and by the way, you'll see the connections. The kids started us off today singing "Joy to the World," and they did such a great job. And uh, and I was thinking, it's when kids sing "Joy to the World," it comes easy for kids, and they're innocent, and it's a fun song. And when they got to the "Joy, unspeakable joy," I mean, it's just—I mean, they were just belting it out. It was so much fun to watch. But I was thinking, you know, as old, the older we get, sometimes that joy is just uh, absent in our lives. For some adults, uh, it's even possible that joy is completely out of the picture. And we live in a country that says we we are committed to the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you're like, where's the happiness? Where's the joy? Is that a guarantee? And the question I have for you this morning is how is it going for you in regards to Joy. Or is there an absence of joy, a sorrow? And with life, the stressors, the pain, setbacks, how are you doing with joy? And I will tell you this, that joy is not based on good fortune. It's not based on a new car or a new job or a new relationship or having lots of money, or good health, or family, or a certain lifestyle. Those things are temporal, they're circumstantial, they're fragile things. Instead, true joy is linked to eternal truths. And we want to dive into those truths today. Truths found in the story or in the song, Joy to the World. And I want you to know that true joy will outshine every circumstance of life. And so today we're going to talk about Joy to the World. And when we do this, we're going to take three different approaches. We're going to talk about the author, and that uh, we didn't do that last week because the author was anonymous. Uh, but this week, it's, it's a kind of a quirky guy. And we'll have some fun with that. And then we're going to talk about the fact that this is actually not written as a Christmas carol. It's actually rooted in Psalm 98. That's the foundation of this carol. And finally, we'll look at the carol kind of line by line, verse by verse. And again, we're praying that the Holy Spirit's going to move this morning. So let's talk about the author for a moment. Joy to the World was written by a guy named Isaac Watts. And it was written in 1796. So just over 300 years old is this song. Now, Isaac was one of the finest hymn writers in all of history. He was raised in an academic setting. His dad ran a boarding school right out of their house. And so he grew up in academia, so to speak. And from a very young age, he was pegged that this kid was a poet. He was a wordsmith. In fact, he was so good, even at a young age, that there were times his mother accused him of plagiarizing and, and stealing words or stealing phrases. And he's like, no, no, this is, this is my work. This is it. And uh, that's how good it was. And Isaac, over his years, wrote 600 different hymns, over 600. At the age of 26, he became a minister of the gospel. His music and his theological writings really took off. Uh, They spread throughout the land. And in fact, uh, some of his work attracted a young lady by the name of Elizabeth Springer, apparently related to Jerry Springer, and we'll see why here in a second, But uh, she was like smitten by his poetry and by his writings. So she wrote him a letter. And in the letter, she proposed to Isaac Watts. And he's a smart man. He's saying, hey, a woman's pursuing me. He said, yes. And then they met. And then she called the wedding off. This is a true story. Everywhere I studied this, people were talking about this. So I'm like, all right, I got to add this. And she was quoted, and as I read some of the things that she said, I want you just to, to be a little empathetic for Isaac Watts. And when I say something, be like, oh, okay, that'll help me, all right? This is what she quoted. She's quoted. She said, Watts is only five feet tall. Aw, you're doing a good job. That's good. He has a shallow face. Aw. A hooked nose prominent cheekbones, small eyes, and a death-like color to his face. Can you imagine? And she called the wedding off. She said, this is no Justin Bieber. <laughs> and what's, what's really k- kind of sad about Watts, actually, when you look at his life in its entirety, he was actually plagued by sickness. He struggled with mental health issues. And apparently he wasn't all that attractive. And, uh, and so Watts, though, he was uh, a powerful hymn writer. And the last note is uh, this song, Joy to the World, did not become popularized until decades after he had passed. And so he didn't even understand the, that uh, this would be a surprise to him that we are even talking about it today. The other thing is uh, it was 100 years after Watts died that the song was put to the tune that we sing, Joy to the World, and that was uh, Handel Messiah, I think, or or Handel something. Thank you, yeah. Um, Anyway, I should have put it in my notes. But I mentioned earlier that it was not even written as a Christmas carol. You'll notice when we go through the song that there's no mention of Mary or Joseph or the angels. There's no baby Jesus. It was actually written as a poem or as a as a hymn, and put in a book of poems, where each of the poems were based on a different psalm. And this psalm or the the song uh, was based on Psalm 98. And what Watts was genius for doing is you take Old Testament truths, bring New Testament revelation and he would write these hymns, and that's what we get with joy to the world. So let's look at Psalm 98 for a moment. There's nine verses. It's split up into three parts, and all the parts are related to joy. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to uh, Psalm 98, and let's lay a foundation for the carol, Joy to the World. This is what it says. In verse one, it says, "'Sing a new song to the Lord, "'for he has done wonderful deeds.'" His right hand has won a mighty victory. His holy arm has shown His saving power. Everybody say, saving power. The Lord has announced His victory and has revealed His righteousness to every nation. He has remembered His promise to love and to be faithful to Israel. The ends of the earth have seen the victory Of our God. Now, last week when we talked about O come, O come, Emmanuel, we talked about God being our Savior. Well, we see the same thing here in the first three verses that we are to rejoice in God as Savior. As the savior of his people, I love in these few verses. It says to sing a new song, right? There's, God is always doing a new thing. God is working in the lives of those people He loves that He would call His own, and He's deserving to be to have these new songs of praise. And, uh, and again, these verses are saying, "Hey, He is the savior." Awesome. Verse 4, this is, verse 4 in particular is where um, the crux of joy to the world is found. It says, shout to the Lord, all the earth, break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp and the harp and uh, melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord, the King. Everybody say, the King. As we look at this section, we know that we are to rejoice in God as king over all the earth. And again, we saw that last week with O Come, o come Emmanuel. There's a theme in these, uh, these hymns for sure. But we're to sing for joy. We're supposed to sing to the king. And it's clear that God is the king the earth. Over all the earth, and then, in psalm ninety eight verse seven and seven through nine says, "Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise, shout for joy, let the earth and all the living things join in, let the rivers clap their hands in glee, and the hills sing their joy or their song of joy before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth, He will judge the world with justice, and the nations with fairness. Here we see that we're to rejoice in God as judge over the nations. And it's interesting. The whole earth is instructed to sing for joy. But what about this judge, this idea? We're not talking about a judge like Judge Judy, apparently. No, it says here that he will judge with absolute fairness. say, how is that even possible? Well, God knows all things, right? He's always making things right. His judgments are always proper. He always makes the right decisions. And he's all loving as well. And so with Psalm 98 as the foundation, those nine verses, I want to look at the song or the carol joy to the world we're going to go verse by verse and what i want to do is dig for gold here saying all right god what is it that you want to speak to us today and so let's without further ado would you uh, say this with me Uh, joy to the world the lord is come pause there for a moment says, the Lord is come. Some of you might think, boy, that's kind of grammatically incorrect. No, the, the meaning is that he has come and he is here. He's here. Joy to the world. Say it with me. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven And nature sing. The angels are rejoicing. All the nations will rejoice. And they're rejoicing because what we see here is that Jesus is our king. We see that related to Psalm 98 verses 4 through 6. And we are called uh, to worship the king. Now, what's interesting. You say, how did this song become A Christmas carol. Well, there are hints of the Christmas story. In one of those, it says, prepare him room. And uh, if you go back, uh, it's the third third line. It says, let every heart prepare him room. Room. And that's related to Luke chapter 2, verse 7, that says this. She gave birth to her, this Mary, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly uh, in strips of cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no lodging, no room available for them. And so there is a tie a little bit in each of these verses, uh, although it was not directly originally tied to Christmas. But what about this king idea, the fact that Jesus is our king? I think that's where the power is in the first verse, that Jesus, he is our benevolent loving king of our lives. He's the one who calls the shots. Yes, he has all authority over all other kingdoms and all other rulers in the world. And the question that we must wrestle with today is what does it mean for Jesus to be the king of our lives? What does that mean in our day-to-day? And I think if you boil it all down, it means that you and I are not to be in control. We're not to be me-focused or I-focused. And when we can say, God, you're in control, you are the king, the ruler of my life, I promise you this, the result will be joy. In fact, if you put it in a negative, no real joy is found if jesus is not your king got to get an amen amen let's look at verse 2 say it with me joy to the earth the savior reigns let men their song employ while fields and flood rocks hills and plains repeat the sounding joy repeat the sounding joy repeat repeat The sounding joy. What we see here is that Jesus is our Savior. And if you're taking notes, you can write down Psalm 98, verses 7 and 8. We see that, that He is our Savior for sure. The picture in the Psalms here is that creation is rejoicing over Jesus because He has saved us. And again, the link to the Christmas story, this one's pretty clear. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, it says this, talking about Jesus, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. The Savior was born, the one that would pay our sins. And in regards to joy, the reason we have joy is because our Savior has come And by the way, he's coming again. And we'll talk about that when we get to the last verse. Now, this should not be a surprise to us that have studied Scripture or that understand the Bible. The Lord has been saving his people from the beginning of time uh, for sure. He delivered his people out of Egypt. He sent them to a new land and parted the water, the Red Sea. Some of you know the story of Jericho and he saved his people there as they circled Jericho. Then the walls came tumbling down. How about when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? God saved him there, delivered him. David and Goliath, God God delivered David from Goliath. And time after time, the armies of the living God, the Israelites, they would be outnumbered by thousands. And we would see the Lord Almighty, He would come in and He would save them. Over and over, God has showed His saving power to His people. And guess what? The same God that saved in all those stories is the same God that saves us today. He comes alongside of us. And I'm telling you, that is great news. Great reason to rejoice. And again, there's no real joy if Jesus is not your Savior. Verse 3, let's continue. It says, No more let sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessing flow. Say it with me. Far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. Say, I don't even know this verse. Uh, We often skip this verse. Uh, That's not one that's often sang. But man, it is so meaningful. And when I look at this verse, I see Jesus as our Redeemer. And our Redeemer is linked to Psalm 98 verses 1 and 2. And when it says, far as the curse is found, so will God's salvation be known throughout the world. Sin no more. Sorrow no more. What about this thorns and thistles, right? It says, what is he talking about here in the third or in the second line? No more thorns infest the ground. Well, uh, Isaac Watts was going back to Genesis chapter 3, the original curse. And when Adam and Eve uh, sinned and what did Jesus or what did the Lord say? It said, said to the man, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree of whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is what? It's cursed, right? And it says uh, all of your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grain. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will Return. What's happening here? To me, uh, it's going back to the original curse, but how many know that this song explains that Jesus is our Redeemer? He's the one who is reversing the curse and ultimately will fully reverse the curse. So that means there's no more sorrow, only joy. No more lying, only truth. No more hatred, only love. No more bitterness, only forgiveness. No more division, only unity. And when I start to talk like that, it's kind of this this picture that's hard to even imagine. What would a world look like with no curse? Think about it. What would that look like? It would look like heaven, wouldn't it? Now, we started in Genesis where the curse started, at Adam and Eve. But let's go all the way to Revelation chapter 21 and look at a picture of heaven and what is described there. It says, I saw a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Let me pause for a second. Doesn't that sound like what we talked about last week? Emmanuel, God with us? It's exactly that. And then verse 4, this is where the power is. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And they will, there will be no more death, no more sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone not just for a moment, but forever. That's a beautiful picture of heaven. And when we think about what Isaac Watts was doing as he was writing, as he was penning this poem, this this hymn, what was the Holy Spirit revealing to him? He was revealing the fact that the curse is no more. It has no power far as the curse is found. Only blessings moving forward. And I was thinking, Isaac Watts, he was not free from, uh, from pain. He knew pain. he Rejection, and there was opposition to some of his work, for sure. But I'm not so concerned about Isaac Watts. I'm more concerned about you, and about my, my life, and about my family. What about How are you doing? Are you feeling the curse of humanity's rejection to God? Are there places in your life that are broken? Well, church, when we are redeemed, when Jesus is our Redeemer, we become different people. When God redeemed Israel from slavery, he made them a new nation and gave them a new land. And when we accept Jesus, we get a new identity. We are no longer captive to sin and death. Amen? Amen. And so how are you doing? What does your world look like? What's been plaguing you this Christmas? Where is there trouble? Where has sin got a hold and I just want you to know, yes, we are broken people, but God, He allows us. He brings great joy. And the truth is, until Jesus is our Redeemer, there's no true joy. And He's the one that turns back sin. Let's look at verse 4. It says, He rules the world with truth truth and grace and he makes the nations prove say it with me the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love if you go back to the previous slide at the first line says he rules with truth and grace that idea of truth and grace there really speaks to justice right and the idea that Jesus is our judge and we saw that in Psalm 98 verses 3 and in verse 9 and truth and justice truth and grace equals justice in the Christmas story in John chapter 1 it's a creative way uh, it's a little different than Matthew in Luke's account of the, uh, the birth narrative of, narrative of Jesus. But in verse 17, it says, For the law was given through Moses, but God, his unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. And with that, we get grace and truth. And we get a judge who is absolutely fair 100% of the time. He gives us grace through Jesus. And remember, it's Jesus who paid our penalty. He's motivated by love. And when we accept him as our king, as our savior, as our redeemer, and as the judge ultimately at his second coming, what happens is he knows you. He knows you with a tender love. And not only does he know you, you will know Him as well. You will not be obscure or unnoticed. You will be loved and you will be embraced. And remember that pain will be gone. Tears will be wiped away. Worry will be a thing of the past. Loneliness is not your future. Fear is gone. And today and in the future, He will judge you. And he's the perfect judge. This carol is actually a song about a future promise that Jesus is going to return for his people. And the reason we can have joy is because of the promise of Jesus' second coming. Church, there's no real joy if Jesus is not your judge. And when he is your judge at the, at the end of time, Whether he comes, whether you die by the grave or he takes us home to be with him. Um, If he's if he's, he's your savior and king and your redeemer, there is reason to rejoice even on this side of eternity. But the most important thing we could talk about this morning is whether we are ready or not to stand before Jesus as the judge right? There's hope in the fact that he's coming again, but we only have that hope if we've put our hope in him. He's the one that will cause us to rejoice. We're called to rejoice and this song, Joy to the World. It was written about the second coming of Jesus. And it's interesting to me that in, in uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Some of you have watched that every year like my family does. Linus has this great little line, what is it all about, Charlie Brown? And that's what I want you to know. Joy to the world is about God sending his son to be the king. He sent his son to be the savior. He sent his son to be our redeemer, to reverse the curse. And... God will judge when he returns. I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and let's prepare to respond. Church, the king is coming back, and he will set everything right according to Scripture. And I mean everything. He rules the world with righteousness, and the people with equity. And this morning, I am praying, and our team has been praying, that the Holy Spirit will just minister and allow this truth to make a difference in your life. Because the truth is, there's a positive result or there's a negative. If you put your faith in Him and trust in Him, you can sing joy to the world. If not, at one point, you will stand before the judge. And it says in scripture, only those who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior will make it into heaven. And I know that can sound harsh, but listen, God, he loved us so much. He didn't want anybody to miss it. And so he sent his son at Christmas to make the difference. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you're working this morning. You're working even through a Christmas carol, perhaps one of the most popular Christmas carols of our day. But Lord, you're shaking and moving and you're speaking, and we want to pause and give opportunity to reflect. We want to give opportunity for that free gift of salvation to be received. So that's, Lord, what we do in this moment. Church, if you're here and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you're tracking online with a second service here and you don't know Jesus and you're saying, I am ready to receive Jesus as my King, as my Savior, as my Redeemer, you're saying, man, the light bulbs are going on. I need this in my life. I want you just to lift your hand right where you are. Or if you're online, you can just put in the... uh, Comments, and we will reach out to you every time. Who here? Yes. Who else? Just lift up your hand. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you, saying, Yes, that's me. Yeah, thank you, young man over here. Who else is responding to a salvation call? The the truth is, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need a Savior. And Jesus is that Savior that will take away our sins. We got two hands here. Anybody else? Just don't want to rush this. This is why we exist. Yes, I see that hand in the back. Thank you. Yeah. For the three that are in the room and maybe those that are online, I want to just walk you through a simple prayer. It's not the words of this prayer that will save you. It's what God's doing in your heart already. He's drawing you. And now we just get to confess with our mouth that he is Lord. And so, would you repeat after me? And let's do this all together. Say, dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for my sins. I'm sorry. Today, I put my faith in you as my Savior and my King. Lord, redeem me. Take away my sin and help me to live for you all the days of my life in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. And the Bible says that in heaven, when even one person comes to faith, that the angels in heaven rejoice. And it can happen in a moment like this and in a service. It can happen later today uh, as you're talking about the service with your friends. Uh, If you are here and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you didn't just respond, um, I promise you that the people in your life that got you here today, they've been praying for you. Talk with them. Ask them about what it even means. And I believe that God will turn on those light bulbs and you'll respond. And so we rejoice with the heavens. I also want to just acknowledge that last piece or that third uh, verse of joy to the world where it says, far as the curse be found, right? That Jesus, he is redeeming, he's reversing the curse in our lives. And uh, ultimately that'll happen completely at the second coming or when we pass by the grave. But I do want to acknowledge that this life, it's a toil, it's, there's sorrow that comes. And, uh, but the Lord, he has given us great news that we can put our hope in him, and we can find joy even in the suffering. Pastor Bobby, why don't you close us out? I know you had a couple thoughts. It's hard to uh, talk about joy without also talking about suffering, right?
0: Yeah. You think about both Jesus' first coming and his second coming, and it's so powerful. What I love about Joy to the World is we're singing about his first coming. It's a song written about his second one what a profound and weird thing and i think there's a lot that we can relate to then maybe with the people who are waiting for a savior in the first century these people who are toiling who are in slavery who are in captivity waiting for a king to come and it sounds really similar to us people who are in a world where jesus reigns and yet bad things happen terrible things happen we still go through grief sorrow and we wait for that moment when Jesus comes again and it even says in that Psalm and it says in this song that creation sings but it also says in Scripture that right now as we await for that moment where we sing joyfully it says in Romans 8 that creation groans very similar to singing but a lot different and I think some people are here ready to sing joyfully and maybe some of us are a little bit like Charlie Brown on Christmas feeling a little bit like a sad sack, feeling a little bit of that sorrow and maybe groaning with creation. But that's why I love the story of Jesus, that we don't serve a God who doesn't understand what we're going through, but we serve a God who chose to come as a human, that we serve a God who chose to come as a baby that had to be taken care of, that we serve a God uh, just not up in the clouds, but a God who chose to take on flesh and dwell among us. So we're not gonna end by singing joy to the world, but we're going to end by singing a song that recognizes Jesus's humanity and the fact that we have a God who understands everything that we have ever gone through and every anything that we will ever go through, amen. And so will you could just close your eyes with me and just let's just open up our hearts to receive what God has for us. And maybe if you feel comfortable, uh, raise your hands or maybe just open your hands out like this. It's just a sign of surrender or a sign of receiving whatever he has for you. Yes, Jesus. We worship you. Yes, Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, that you came at all. The God of the universe, the God of the heavens, chose to take on flesh and dwell among us, to be in our filth, to be in our sin, to be in our shame, to walk among us. Lord, let us not lose sight of that. Lord, and we sing for joy. But Lord, sometimes there there might even be some people here who are groaning, waiting for things to be different, for things to change, for things to get better, Lord. Lord, we thank you that hope does not put us to shame. That joy isn't a feeling. Joy is a recognition that our hope is in you, not in ourselves, not in our circumstances, not in another person. Lord, and though things might not be great now, they will get better because you are with us. And that gives us joy, that gives us hope for a future Lord. That gives us joy that we can sing about Lord, that we can walk out of this place free people, that we can walk out of this place with joy, that we can walk out of this place with the shackles shaken off because we have a king who has come and set the captives free. And so we know as we leave this place, we will go as your free ambassadors, proclaiming that same joy, that same love, that same peace, that same hope to every person we surround ourselves with this season for those living in darkness have seen a great light Lord and we have seen that light so let us be people that radiate that light as we leave this place Lord and we know that as we go that you will go before us, behind us and all around us every single step of the way we give you the praise, the glory and all the honor in Jesus name